Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USC is 5-7 and seven and not going to a ball. Oh, all right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 311, coming to you on Wednesday, May 1st. We're going to talk about the NFL draft, put a big bow on it. We're also going to talk to the first female drum major in Trojan marching band history, India Anderson, here on this episode. All that and more, including your listener questions. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We're doing this the day before May Day, which means... It's gonna be May. Oh, you gotta, you gotta, I, I hate, you gotta put more into no, that. No, because I hate the it's meme. It's a stupid be freaking meme. It's a dumb meme. It's, it's a garbage meme. This is a rough week for you because the "It's gonna be May" meme is is today, and then May the Fourth be with you is coming up this weekend. Oh god! So it's it's, it's a rough time. Pray, pray for Michael, everybody. Pray for Michael. I know. Uh, I've ever told my my infamous may 1st story have have you i don't i don't know what a may 1st story could possibly entail oh, this is the 16th anniversary of my infamous may 1st story maybe I'll, I'll save it for the end of the episode remind me at the end of the episode and i'll okay i'll share my may 1st story in which as soon as i tell it it's probably like not a big deal it was a big deal at the time but at least yeah this episode is a big deal we're gonna have india anderson the first female drum major in trojan marching band history that's awesome yeah yeah really nice to talk to her and get a, a sense of what a drum major does and also the significance of you know being the first ever female drum major which is a, it's a very visible position 
uh, in USC lore, but I, I find I actually don't know a lot about it. So, well, I I know some stuff about it. Like it is not Tommy Trojan. Yes. Um, it is not USC's mascot. the The drum major is not the Trojan writer. The, the, these are the things that annoy me. It, I get it. I, I think that if you don't know USC, it's very easy to mix up all these things. But for people who do that, mix it up. Oh, it's the bane of my existence. Bane of my existence. Absolutely. And and before we get to the interview with with India, I do want to highlight the Trojan marching band had a great tweet in the aftermath of of her announcement where they said, a handy guide on how to refer to our incoming student leader, India. She's not Helen of Troy. She's not the Trojan warrior princess, not drum majorette, not Tammy Trojan. She's the 2019-2020 USC drum major. Good job, TMB. I like it. Yeah, that's how it should be. Tammy Trojan. God, that makes my insides hurt. Awful. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Okay, so here's here's a question for you, Alicia. Who rides Traveler? The Trojan Warrior, isn't it? Isn't the Trojan Rider. The Trojan Rider. Trojan Rider. Trojan Rider. Yeah. But it's unnamed. It's an unnamed, unnamed person. Yes. It's not Tommy Trojan. I should know the name of the actual rider. Is it? Is it? Is it still Hector? Hector Aguilar? Aguilar. No, it was a woman last year. Yeah, that was okay. Hold on. Isn't that ironic? I was I was going to say there were people. In response to this news about the the drum major who were talking about, you know, the stuff, the politics of it all. Right. And I was sitting there going like, I could have sworn it was a woman writing Traveler last year, but I couldn't like it was possible because it's 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 a um, the writer is is just in the garb. Right. So I couldn't be 100 percent sure that that was a woman, but I could have sworn it was a woman. It was. So. You know, it's it, it's <laughs> we get into that a little she, bit. She used in, to in be part of the India. traveler crew, and and would be the yeah. would be the the I I don't know what the word is the person who would run out in front of traveler and clear the way. I, I'd call him a handler. Sure, we should probably have traveler people on the show to, yeah. to get these yeah. terms well, right. So we we don't know. I I realize I don't know anything about the drum major, and I realize also I don't know that much about traveler. So maybe that is something that we should sort of pencil in for for the off season is learn a little bit about the traditions. That that USC has out there and uh and and get these get these uh term the terminology and the lore all correct fun fact in 2000 I went to the birthday party probably like 35th 30 something birthday party for Ardashir Radpour who was the writer the Trojan writer back at the time oh that's cool that's random very but my dad cool. was super was super into the good old P back in the day and um I think it was the P he and his family were posting that there was going to be this thing. And so we went to the birthday party randomly out of nowhere. Like nobody knew who the hell we were. Me and my dad were just there. <laughs> oh, I bet you loved that. It was in in retrospect. It's incredibly awkward. Incredibly. But anyway, speaking of horses and swords, though, uh, Game of Thrones had a big episode this week. Episode three of season eight, the final season of Game of Thrones. And we are doing a recap show i run on god over on patreon patreon.com slash reign of troy this is the third season that we're doing this with our pal jake merrifield from the what's brewing show we talk about every single episode we break it down uh those go up on tuesdays and they unlock for everybody on friday so if you're subscribed to our patreon for as little as 555 a month you get all of our bonus episodes and you get to listen to run on god every tuesday if you're not subscribed 
it unlocks on Friday for the masses. But there's a lot of content over there on Patreon. Throughout the month of April, we put up a ton of stuff on Patreon. You had a recap of the NFL draft, a snap take, um, and you had your own second and short podcast last week as well. Yeah, covering a couple little things that uh, popped up at the end of the week. The uh, Drew Richmond transfer in, uh, Kenichu Deze landing at LSU as a defensive analyst. And yeah, just a little opportunity there to sweep up all the news that we don't cover on uh, on this main show. So yeah, to, I I hope everyone is able to go check out the Patreon, give us a look, and see if uh, you know more more podcasty goodness can come into your podcast feed every week. Patreon.com slash Rain of Choice, where you can listen for as little five to five a month as we mentioned. But until then, let's get into this episode. Start with the news and start with the NFL draft. All right, Alicia, USC went into the 2019 NFL Draft with the record for the most picks in the NFL history uh, at 505. Notre Dame had 499. The Irish had seven people drafted, but luckily for USC, their lead was extended another year. SC sits at 509 with four picks in the 2019 NFL Draft. The Irish are at 506, so the Trojans lead by three. Uh, that's big news. That's a good thing to feel good about, about USC in this draft. Also, they still hold on to their record of first-round picks at 81. USC did not have a pick in either of the first two rounds for the first time since 2002. Ohio State had a couple of first-rounders, which brought them level with USC at 81 first-round picks. But SC still holding firm tied in first place for that. Uh, let's get into who got drafted and where were they went. And this was an interesting draft for USC because I, I, we talked about it last year, uh, last week that this SC had, a, had has a chance for a lot of these guys, I think to have good careers. If they land in the right spot. I think that goes for every year. You can say that, but they also had a chance to potentially have guys go undrafted and that ultimately ended up happening in the case of one particular person. Uh, let's run it down. Chuma Doga goes first uh, in the third round the 92nd overall pick to the New York Jets. Uh, Iman Marshall goes in the fourth round, 127th overall to the Ravens. Marvell Tell in the fifth round, 144th overall to the Colts. And Cam Smith goes in the fifth round, 162nd to the Vikings. Alicia, who's missing? I, I think someone's missing from there. Yeah, Port Augustine's missing from there. That was uh, interesting. Just a little bit. And, and not only was it interesting that he went undrafted, it took almost two whole days for him to sign. He was the last of what appears to be the undrafted signees to find a, a team, to find a team. to and, and it was really interesting sort of monitoring Twitter at first because Twitter was, I mean, as far as fans were concerned, Twitter was all over at Jets, pick up Port Augustine, at Colts, pick up Port Augustine, at Raiders, pick up Port Augustine, at Chargers, pick up Port Augustine. Like, fans of all these teams were were... were 
talking about Port Augustine as being a desirable player to pick up in in the aftermath of the draft. And then it just it was silence. It was silence except for a um a an Instagram post that Port Augustine put up on Saturday, which was like talking about how like he played through pain and played through injury and how his greatest strength became his greatest weakness and like cautioning people to learn from his mistakes in that regard and like he's healthy now and he's you know there's more football to play and that kind of thing it was just like wow so the injury issues were bigger than i thought they were maybe the 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 ped test at the combine was bigger than i thought it was maybe like it just it just it was a huge surprise that he didn't get drafted it was a bigger surprise that there wasn't a rush to sign him apparently because the report that came out was from a Bills reporter. The first the first hint that he was cuz he's now signed with the with the Saints. The first report was from a Bills reporter who said that the Bills had offered him a mini camp invite, which is essentially just a tryout, like a tryout to potentially get an undrafted free agent contract and then the Saints swooped in with a with a contract as an undrafted free agent. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but like it sounds to me like they were the only ones that offered him an undrafted free agent contract. Because if 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 the only if, if the other option that was on the table was a mini camp tryout, that is very, very like low on the totem pole as far as NFL prospects are concerned. Yeah, I I don't think I expected this in the slightest. Um, I guess him being drafted isn't a huge surprise given the number of guys that SC has had undrafted of late guys like uh, Deontay Burnett, Deion Bailey and, and so on. But I feel like you could always make arguments for why they could have gone undrafted, right? Oh, well they didn't have the size. Oh, they were a tweener. They were this, they were that. Those things do not exist with Port Augustine. If Port Augustine is healthy and Port Augustine doesn't have, you know, this drug test thing, there is no doubt in my mind. He's a, a like a day two guy, maybe, right? Like, it doesn't seem like there would be any reason to not want him on your team if you're an NFL team. So it's weird. It's absolutely weird. Um, but let's talk about the guys who did get drafted for a second before we go back to the UDFAs. Chuma uh, going to the Jets. Interesting because the Jets just keep getting Trojans. They got Chuma. They got um, some guy named Sam Darnold. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Uh, the aforementioned... Deontay Burnett, and they also picked up Toa Lobendon as an undrafted free agent. And that's in addition to having Leonard Williams already on. Oh on yeah, the that Leonard guy. Well. I forgot about that Leonard yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, can't forget him. But yeah, Chuma is an interesting pick for them. Uh, the, apparently, they're looking for depth uh, and versatility. And and Chuma, as somebody who proved at the Senior Bowl that he can indeed play tackle because of that wide wingspan, uh, but also has the body of a guard, uh, that he he could give them depth there. And and. In that context, it makes a lot of sense that Toa is also with the Jets because I know his chops as a center are certainly in question. Um, he is a guy who has literally played every position across the line for USC. So if you're looking to just bulk up, bulk up your depth, Toa Lobanon makes a lot of sense to bring in as an undrafted free agent because he could end up playing tackle for you. He could end up playing guard for you. He could end up playing center for you, just sort of finding where it is that he can give you a fit. Yeah, I I would caution people to just completely write off Toa 
Um, because I think if if it wasn't for the snaps, people would be talking him, about him as USC's best offensive lineman last year. Uh, I, I think in reality it was probably Chris Brown, but Toa Lobanon was is very good at, at what he does in various things. Uh, he, he's good as a pulling center. I thought he was very good as a pulling center. Uh, he can be a good pulling guard if you just put him at guard. Just don't have him snap the ball for the for the love of God. Or the love yeah. of Helton, I guess. <laughs> the, the love of Helton's life. Um, I was surprised that the, you know, I, I again, I have to stop paying attention to Twitter because Twitter is irrelevant and doesn't matter. But I was surprised that the number of people whose response to the news that Toa had landed with the Jets was to make a quip about, like, I hope they don't expect him to snap. And it's like, well, yeah, but... Like, he played guard for USC and tackle for USC. Like he's not like a the only thing he can do is be a center. Yeah, he he's not a one one trick pony for sure. Uh, the other guys that that did get drafted that we mentioned, Biggie Marshall going before Marvell Tell. Uh, I I guess that makes sense. Uh, in the fourth round to the Ravens, I got I got no thoughts on how these players fit in for the most part because I'm not overly in tune with the NFL, but. Cool. Yeah, the interesting bit about uh, Biggie and Tell is that it really does seem like they're gonna be changing positions. <laughs> uh, Tell straight up uh, is one hundred percent starting out at corner for the Colts. Uh, so that I thought was very interesting that they straight up said, you know, we're gonna start him out at corner and see how he does. Uh, which I was reading some stuff about about that, and there was uh, somebody who made a in the Indie Star who made a really good point that. Tell's experience playing safety for USC may suit him as a corner in the Colts system because they're a zone, uh, they're a zone defense, and so and they and he fits the profile for them physically. They they like long corners, um, and so he's already familiar with a lot of the things that they're going to ask him to do at corner. They're not going to throw him out there and expect him to go man to man. So that's going to be an interesting experience to uh, experiment to keep track of. And then with Biggie, it's a little bit less clear. They might, you know, may, maybe he'll he'll work out at, at at corner for them. But the opportunity to move him to safety is always going to be on the table, I think. So that's going to take a little bit more time to, to clear up. But uh, yeah, that's one of the funny things, funny little nuggets from this draft is that USC starting corner might be a safety and USC starting safety might be a corner. I just can't imagine Marvell Tell at, at corner, but sh- I can't sure. imagine them flopping like in, in at USC. I can't imagine a universe where they switch positions. Well, you know, what's going to happen if it pans out in the NFL, right? Like it, like if they end up both oh, people are gonna- becoming pro bowlers, people will chastise Clancy Pendergast forever about that. Right, except that again, it's it's fit for a scheme, right? Like Marvell Tell wouldn't have worked as a corner in USC's defense cuz USC was asking its corners to play man to man a lot. Right. And like they were asking their safeties to play man to man and it didn't really go that well that often when the safeties were were in those positions. So like yeah, if if, if Marvell Tell ends up being a success at corner for the Colts, it'll be because he fits their scheme, not because USC screwed the pooch by not playing him at corner. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I Clancy has made some questionable decisions, but the other thing about Iman, Iman, like, he insisted straight up that he was a corner. So maybe USC didn't do enough to tell him, like, no, we insist that you're a safety but, like, I always felt like Iman Marshall not making that switch was because Iman Marshall had no intention of making that switch. 
So I'm again, I'm not going to get on the coaching staff for that. I think it's hard to when you look at how good of a season he had last year, right? Like, yeah, if, if he would have struggled as a senior. Yeah, I think we could sit here and say, well, you know, maybe everyone calling for him to be a safety were right. Um, And I'm not saying that they're wrong, but but it's hard to say that him being at corner is wrong when he does have all those metrics came out at the end of last season, that completion rate against and all that kind of stuff that, that Biggie Marshall was so good at last year. So... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how those guys fit in those systems. Uh, let's talk about Cam Smith, who joins a linebacker core with the Minnesota Vikings that has UCLA star Anthony Barr, UCLA star Eric Kendricks, uh, former Notre Dame linebacker Greer Martini, and also uh, former Cal linebacker Devontae Downs. It's a weird mix for <laughs> Cam Smith to be thrown in there with all these rivals. Yeah, uh, a little interesting. But um, yeah, Cam, he, he is a really interesting fit. Because they're not bringing him in to be a guy who competes for a starting job this year or next year or like anything like that. Like they're bringing him in to give him a little bit of depth and to sort of basically see what they can get out of him. Like um, it was interesting reading up on on this because they were basically saying like the, the Vikings didn't have a need to go inside linebacker at that stage in the draft. They must have just been in the fifth round and missed on a couple other players that maybe were on their board and thought, you know what, Cam Smith's there available, he's a good player, let's pick him up. Uh, and and that's always, you know, sometimes that can work against you because you don't fit and you don't get opportunities, but sometimes that can also work for you because you don't necessarily have the pressure and, and you can go in and carve out a role on special teams and put your head down and, and get to work as a backup and then take an opportunity when it comes your way down the line. Uh, let's go down the rest of the list of the undrafted guys. Jana Harris to the Eagles, said where to the Redskins. Uh, Chris Brown staying at home with the Chargers. Malik Dorton to the Raiders. And as we mentioned, Port Augustine to the Saints and Tolobanon to the Jets. Uh, not all of those are free agent contracts. Uh, some of them are tryouts, like said where is a tryout with the Redskins. Uh, Jana Harris is a tryout with the Eagles. But they got opportunities to, to do something. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can ask for, really, is an opportunity. Who I feel really bad for is said where because there is no way he's making that roster. The Redskins are loaded at running back. Absolutely loaded. So I'm just I'm I'm curious about what happens to said like I wonder if maybe he's like a someone like could end up on a practice squad somewhere and just sort of have to float. But like that's the one where I look at like the rest of them, I think, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe there's possibilities. But with with said, it's just like, man, that's that's not the place I would have gone if I had a choice. For said, that's that's not where I would have gone. You mentioned loaded, and I was confused as to what you meant, and then I looked it up. Yeah, <laughs> Adrian Peterson, uh, who has you know the the record in the NFL for the most yards in a game. Adrian Peterson, Samaj P. Ryan, who has the record in college football for the most yards in a game. Uh, Bryce Love, who I believe has the record for the most average, uh, the highest yards per carry, or something like that, in, in a yeah, season. They, they drafted him in the. F- Fourth round, or f- fourth round. Yeah, uh, pretty good. And they still have Chris Thompson as well, along with uh, with Sedware. So, yeah, and Darius, <laughs> Darius guys. Oh yeah, Darius guys too. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. How many like running I backs said, do they need? Like I said, it's it does not look like a good situation for Sedware. 
That's that's the thing that popped out at me. It's an opportunity to be in front of somebody. That's the, that's the key part more than anything for said where I did want to get to a tweet we got really quick from Klain who says, could Port Augustine be the biggest miss of the NFL draft? What gives failed drug tests or the injury bug? I think the answer is just the mix of everything, right? Like it's the the failed drug test, even if it's explainable, and I think it is an explainable drug test. I mean, he failed a drug test for Adderall, something that he had applied for a therapeutic use exemption, which he got. So it's not like it was the worst thing in the world that he could have gotten uh, a failed drug test for. But I think that that plus the injury bug, I think kind of spooks people. And yeah, he could end up being the biggest miss. If he stays healthy and puts everything together, he could absolutely be a star in the NFL. And he could also be someone who never plays a down in the NFL. I don't know. Like it's, it's one or the other. Like, I don't think these teams are wrong to be hesitant. I do think that he can definitely pull it together and prove everybody wrong at the same time. Absolutely. And and yeah, I'm with you that it's a combination of a lot of things. And I think it's it's one of those situations where Porter, the injury red flags were going to be huge. The PED thing is complex, I think. Um, but also more than anything, like he doesn't actually have a lot of tape because of a recent tape because of the the two injuries that he that he suffered in the final two years of his of his career um at least not as much as you as you'd like and then also what was on that tape would have been you know someone who clearly has pass rushing skills and is this freak of nature but also i mean from the get-go from when he was a freshman there was the question of well he's a little bit inflexible he's a little bit um maybe maybe not a pure enough athlete. Uh, maybe there's a ceiling issue where he is. Uh, my my wonder was always like, especially with the injury thing, like had he pushed his body to the very limits of what it could possibly handle as far as the musculature and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's why it was breaking down on him. But also in terms of like his athletic ceiling um, the, the, in scouting reports, I was seeing that, you know, people were wondering like, does he does he have natural enough athleticism to really go any higher than he has he already peaked essentially physically? Um, so then you combine all of those factors together and you end up with an undrafted free agent. But the reason that undrafted free agents are so intriguing is that they can answer those questions. Ultimately, so long as you get on a so long as you get a tryout, even then the next step is to get on a roster. Once you make the roster, then the next step is to get on the playing field. And once you get there, you prove yourself. And ultimately it is a, a meritocracy and Port Augustine either will or won't prove himself or, or his body will break out and there's nothing he can do about that. Yeah. It's just going to be a matter of him doing it uh, before everyone 100% buys into his, his pro prospects, unfortunately. Moving on though, talking about someone else who is injured, overcoming an injury. Let's talk about USC's Ford passing an inspection. That'd be Kyle Ford, uh, who's coming off an ACL injury. He had six games into Orange Lutheran season last year as a high school senior. He's an incoming freshman in SC's 2019 recruiting class, a four-star wide receiver that USC desperately needs to be able to be in the rotation, given that they lost Brew McCoy, given that they lost Puka Nakua, given that they lost all those guys to transfer, Josh Bebe and Trayvon Sidney and so on and so on. All those guys, right? You need Kyle Ford. You got to have depth and he can definitely give you that. Yeah. And it's the timing of this is really where I, what I think stands out is at the end of April, uh, beginning of May, that's when he's getting cleared, which means that he's going to have a full, you know, 
two months, three months before fall camp comes around. And, and I am now more open to the idea that he might be a full participant for fall camp where, you know, in, in January when he said he would be ready in time for the season, I was like, ah, sure, buddy. Sure. Uh, but then you see someone like Max Williams being able to, to start getting limited individual work in spring camp, just, you know, a, a little with his injury coming probably a little bit of like a month before Kyle Ford's because I feel I think his came in like week one or week two of the of the high school season and he was out there in you know early April doing stuff and so if Kyle Ford is sort of on the same rehab uh, trajectory as Max Williams then we're actually looking at him potentially being a participant straight up and that'll be huge because like you said depth is a, is a problem USC went through spring camp with five scholarship wide receivers available that's when they were all healthy and yeah you're you're going to add drake london yeah you're going to add munir mclean for the fall camp but having another body and and also i mean not to be not to to sort of overlook kyle ford is the top rated player in usc's recruiting class from this last year uh he was a, an elite wide receiver prospect who was the talk of the town last year during the during the camp circuit and he was putting up big numbers for Orange Lutheran as well before before that injury. So, you know, he's he's a legitimate talent that's being compared to Juju Smith-Schuster. And like that comparison alone is is just wow. Um, so get easing him in and getting him into a point where he can contribute this season could be a big difference maker for USC, especially because you got to consider like USC's receivers out there don't have a super great. Not all of them have a great injury track record uh if you're looking at someone like michael Pittman, so the more the merrier and especially ones with that level of talent the reinforcements are coming yeah and if you think about it all usc needs from him is to basically replicate devin williams from last year what two catches yeah i mean he had two catches but he was a body out there that was giving usc some you know solid reps i think you would need more than that given yeah. the the offense the air raid. and how yeah. they're going to want to go four wide sometimes maybe even five wide and all that kind of stuff you're going to want to use your receivers so much more than you did last year so let's wrap up the news segment though with a talk about urban meyer everyone's favorite uh matt leinert reggie bush and urban meyer will be working together on fox college football show we talked about the college football show last week uh, in terms of Reggie Bush and how it might be an issue if he has to go to USC's practices and he's banned from being on campus. Well, things might get a little more complicated here, too, uh, because Reggie Bush told Aras Markazi of the L.A. Times about Urban Meyer, quote, We'll definitely be recruiting him, meaning him and Matt Leinart. What makes you think we won't be recruiters? Nothing is off the table. They have to win the division. This is a put-up-or-shut-up season for them, especially for Clay Helton. I'm looking to see drastic improvements. People have to be held accountable, and the players have to be held accountable. They have to create an environment that's where players really understand the tradition of winning that came before them. Pretty harsh words from Reggie Bush. Um, and he's right. Like this is a put up or shut up year for Clay Helton, and SC needs to to right the ship. Um, in 2019, they absolutely have to for for Clay Helton to keep his job. If not, you're going to start hearing rumors about people like Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer was quoted saying, "I believe I'm done, but I've also learned to just live in the moment. I love what I'm doing, and I hope I do this for a long time." I keep going back and forth on whether or not Urban Meyer is actually going to come out of retirement. I'm 
100% in the boat that SC should never hire him. Uh, just given the baggage and given the the optics of a school paying out a, a sexual assault settlements and all that kind of stuff, that you can't go back on that and bring on Urban Meyer who harbored a domestic abuser. Like you, you can't do that. You can't do those things at the same time. But this quote about "I believe I'm done, but I've also learned to just live in the moments." Ugh. I think if you're putting a percentage on whether or not he's going to coach again, that might have to go up a few percentage points. Well, it certainly feels like the kind of quote that sounds like someone who's walking back earlier quotes where he was more forceful about his retirement. That's that's how I read it. Um I I I don't I don't know. I I'm with you in the sense that like I think the optics would be terrible for USC to hire Urban Meyer. I'm also at the point where I am so fed up with having to deal with USC fans who are fed up with a losing football program that like part there's a little there's a little like the the devil that I've got like the angel and the devil on my shoulder this and is one how is it whispering starts, Alicia. This is how and it one starts. is whispering like the optics are so like this is he's you know don't 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 compromise your 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 integrity and your values for this and the devil is whispering in my sh- uh, in my ear like if Urban Meyer came to USC, he would win a national title and USC fans would be less insufferable. Don't get suckered in. Don't get suckered in. <laughs> Which is not a good reason to hire a head coach. Like, or for me to like back hiring a head coach because like my own sanity is not a good enough reason for overlooking all the baggage. But also I cannot deny that this is going on in my head. So uh, I think it's a very real possibility. And uh, strap in because it's going to get interesting, kids. I hate that he has baggage because I there's nobody I would want coaching USC than Urban Meyer. Yeah. If if you can't get Nick Saban, then Urban Meyer is if, probably your best. I bet. I need to clarify this before someone like cuts that and like blasters my voice saying that all over the, the internet or something. But if he had no baggage, but he does, he he does. So you cannot do it. You cannot do it. And because of that, you cannot hire Urban Meyer. Uh, okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Uh-oh, here we go. Literally devil's advocate. This is how it begins, by the way. <laughs> um, no, my, my my argument to say that this is plausible is that I think just like, you know, often I talk about like well, what is going through Clay Helton's mind when he's making decisions that he makes. And I might not agree or Lynn Swan's mind. Like I might not agree with Lynn Swan's to keep, decision to keep Clay Helton, but I can put my myself in Lynn Swan's shoes and talk myself into the same, use the same logic that Lin Swan would have used, and I can pr- sort of present that as an it argument. It still doesn't right? make so, it the right logic. Though. No, 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 no. Again, again, again. Straight up saying like this is the wrong argument, but I can very much imagine if I can imagine the scenario where Lin Swan talked himself into keeping Clay Helton, then you're damn right. I can imagine the leaps of logic, uh, the small leaps of logic, in fact, that would take. To convince Lin Swan and Carol Fult and everybody who's in charge at USC that Urban Meyer deserves another chance or that his baggage isn't isn't uh, disqualifying, mainly because in the in the grand scheme of things, Urban Meyer was not um, he was sort of sort of like stuck in a bad in in the middle of a bad situation. And he wasn't the one that was committing domestic abuse he enabled it for Mm -hmm. sure but like Mm -hmm. he wasn't 
he was sort of party to it. And I think that him being party to it, as opposed to the perpetrator of, could give him enough separation for You're allowing people yourself to talk to themselves believe into, into this. this too, way too much here. Okay, do I have to preface this a, a thousand more times about how I don't believe this, but I believe that the people in you're, power at USC could talk themselves you're into sp- it? You're going to speak it into existence. I I don't need to speak it into existence because this is what I, this is the scenario. How about, how about that I see this? Playing Matt out. Campbell. Can you imagine Matt Campbell and Cardinal and Gold? We know what he looks like in Cardinal and Gold. He looks Are pretty good in Cardinal and Gold. Are you trying to speak Matt Campbell into existence? Why Michael? not? Because yes. we tried to Why do that not? last year and it didn't exactly work. Matt Campbell. It, wouldn't he be a great coach? I think he'd be great. If we're gonna speak things into existence, then you know Davo Swinney, like. Let's speak that into existence. Speaking of Dabo Swinney, did you look at his contract? Oh, man. Yeah, USC's not paying the that buyouts? much. That they get smaller and smaller, uh, that they're specific to Alabama. The buyout is so embarrassingly minimal. Yeah. It's like, it's, in a few years, it's like down to $2 million, something like that. It's, and so the, the Bama thing is an addition to. So yeah. I, I originally read it as Bama's is smaller. No, Bama has an escalator. That's an escalator yeah. that goes on top of it. So Bama gets the regular buyout, which is like $4 million, but it's like $2 million or something like that. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but if, if it's 4 and $2 million, that's $6 million, if I'm doing my math right. But that's after a few years. It, it down... It it goes down every year that he stays at Clemson. It is so, nothing. Yeah, if I'm Bama, I pay that money yeah. yesterday. Anyways, that's going to wrap up the news segment. And let's get to our interview with India Anderson that Alicia was able to do over the weekend. The first female drum major of the Trojan Marching Band. We'll get up to that next. All right, everybody, uh, we got a treat for you today. I am here with India Anderson, uh, the Trojan Marching Band's first ever female drum major. You might have seen this on Twitter. Uh, the, 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 drum, uh, the, the band announced it on Twitter with a, a great sort of image of India holding, the, holding the, uh, the, the Trojan sword up in the air. And it was kind of like this cool moment of, oh, hey, A, I didn't realize that uh, the, 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 the band uh, had never had a, a female drum major or that, that it was even a possibility. Uh, this is kind of cool, cool female empowerment kind of stuff. Um, so we decided that we wanted to try and, you know, connect uh, with India and sort of get her perspective on uh, this great moment for her as a, as an individual and also just being in the band. We have many of our listeners are connected to the band, interested in the band. And this is something that Michael and I have talked about forever that we, we, need, we need to do more with the band because it's such a great part of, of USC sports, USC athletics culture. So uh, India, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So th- this was a, a, you know, a big week for you. Uh, you're, you're the first female drum major in, in USC uh, history. Uh, what what does that mean to you as far as that, I don't an accomplishment or sort of an honor? Like, what does that mean to you? You know, I think the drum major position is not one that I think should be a gender position. I really think it should go to the candidate who is best suited for the job, you know, who has worked the hardest to get it, who is the most skilled at what the position requires, who has the best character, who the band really looks to the most. And I think being the first woman to get drum major is just a great statement for the fact that the position now is not gendered. You know, men and women now have both gotten it. And I think it's great to just really show now that the position is 
one that is equal. Yeah, that's a great point, because like I said, I'd never even thought of it as like, oh, yeah, there could be a, a chick who's the drum major. And you yeah. <laughs> you breaking open that door means that there are a lot of women out there who, you know, uh, you know, girls that are coming up through high school or or uh, think dreaming about being part of the Trojan March Man. Now they can sort of look at you and say, oh, hey. That could be me in the future. You know, it's just kind of one of those those moments which is really cool. But you bring up, you know, about how it's it shouldn't necessarily be a, a gendered thing. It just so happens that it's all been men in the past. But the sort of attributes and, and qualities that make up a drum major, I realize now that we're having this conversation, I don't know what any of those are. Like what, <laughs> A, what does a drum major do? Like what is their responsibility? And, and B, what is the process to become a drum major? How does that even, how did you get to this point? Yeah, so the drum major's responsibilities are really to be the student leader of the band. Dr. Bartner is the band director, but the drum major is really who leads the students. So on the field, obviously, we do the big stab and we march and lead the band onto the field. We lead the band in any sort of parades or marches or anything. But off the field, every Saturday morning before the game, the drum major goes around to each section and gives like a hype-up speech for all the sections to really... Because we all try to really get into the game as much as we can. I'm sure everyone can hear us yelling at the games. But the drum major is just like who everyone looks to to sort of just like be this student leader and, you know just to like really hype up the band and keep morale up and keep them rooting for the team. And so the way one gets elected for this position is there is a, about a semester long process where it's just training to learn the audition routine. And a lot of this involves just like getting used to the sword. I think all of us, go to the gym a pretty good amount because it takes a lot of just physicality to be able to hold the sword. It's around, I want to say seven or eight pounds and just the physicality of doing all the marching. I mean, you just really have to look good the whole routine. So the whole semester, the old drum major who is Chris Rick, he, every week he shows us a different part of the audition routine, which consists of, doing stationary commands for the band and then conducting the band and marching to fanfare tribute and fight on, which is our whole pregame routine. And then after that, that's in front of the whole band. The drum major will give a speech to the whole band and it's really up to the candidates interpretation, what they want to do. Usually it's structured like a game day speech to get them excited for the next season. But a lot of them, they talk about, like, their history with band. They talk about what band means to them, like, what they hope to do in the next season. It's just, it's really up to whatever the candidate wants to do. And then the band will vote on the candidate, and they announce the winner just maybe 20 minutes later after they count. So it's a, it's a band vote. It, I guess that would make sense, you being the student leader of the band. It's, it's kind of the... A, a democratic vote of, of who the students decide that they want to be led by, right? Yeah. Dr. Bartner, in fact, does not vote at all. Oh, I like that. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it sounds like the way the way it should be. But uh, you you as an individual, yeah. um, you obviously were, were in the band before 
pursuing the, the drum major position. Um, how did you get into into the, the Spirit of Troy in the first place? Like, were you in high school band and you just sort of went through it? What's your background when it comes to USC and, and marching bands in general? So I actually grew up on the East Coast, so I didn't grow up with USC football. But um, I've always just been really into music. I'm a music major now, and I joined high school marching band in my sophomore year in high school and it was just I can't believe I hadn't done it before I just made such great friends and I feel like I really found a community that I'd never found before it really let me open up and change as a person and so that that was just very meaningful to me in high school I played tuba which I still play and I was section leader and then when I came to USC uh, I chose it for the music program, but I said, of course, you know, I have to join the band. It's like, it meant so much to me in high school. And it's just been as amazing, if not more so. Just the community in the band is so great. Having that group of friends and, you know, we're all in it together at the practices. We all get really loud at the games together. We have like social events together. It's just it's just been a big part of my life with that sense of community. And that's why I chose to do it here. And so I thought, you know, drum major was sort of like the next step. You know, I was squad leader, section leader, and I just really loved spending time in and with the band. And I thought, you know, what else more can I do for the program? And I thought, you know, being drum major is the next step up. So I worked at it and the band elected me. Yeah, which is, is really awesome. It's always great when you sort of get to the end of that road. And it's not obviously not the end of the road. It's the beginning of something else, too. But uh, and, and, and everything kind of pays off. But um, the community of the band, as someone sort of on the outside of, of band communities in, in high school, half of my friends were in the band and I knew a ton of people yeah. in, in the USC band. And that's the number one thing I always hear from people who were in the band. It's just like the community and the, the, the friendships and kind of that tight knit uh, group that you get and and you obviously any any community where you're you know thrown into these situations where you have all the you know high energy kind of stuff like a band has to have it sort of makes sense that that's where you would end up with with tight-knit kind of situations but it gets me on to like you know the the being in the band like what would you say has been your favorite moment necessarily in the band or at a football game or just being in that community i think winning the pac-12 championship last year was really great you know we went on the trip to go play in the game and band trips are always just a lot of fun because it's like taking practice and then social events and just tossing them all together which it can be really tiring at times um especially if the trips are on weekends it kind of takes away a break but those trips are usually during like winter breaks anyways and it's just great to be like in that community and then at such a high energy game, you know, USC versus Stanford, it was such, it was like, we all just really wanted the team to win and all the fans were just super loud. And I can remember like when we won, and it was a pretty close game. Just that was my first year at USC and just being like, you know, like, I'm so glad I joined this band. You know, all these people are so great. Like, our team is really great. It's like just the amount of energy after we won. It was just, I was just really happy to be a part 
of the band and just all of USC in general. I totally get that feeling because I, you know, I had experienced many USC victories uh, before that. And I, I had that feeling after the Pac-12 title game, too, of like, this is just really cool being in this, like <laughs> being around all these people who are so happy. It's just, you know, something. Yeah, the the, the, the buzz, I guess you could say. Um, so uh, to, to wrap this up, I just, you know, I grew up as a USC fan, so like I've idolized everything about USC fan about USC for a long, long time. So like the thought to me of being in your position on day one on on the season opener and like walking out on that field carrying that sword and all that kind of stuff like that sounds like oh man I would get chills. But like, what are you looking forward to most uh, about the coming football season and and this sort of new role that you're taking on? I'm just really looking forward to just be, you know, be the drum major. I think a lot of people, there have been, you know, mixed mixed opinions about having a female drum major because, you know, it is such a big image of the band and associated with the football team. And I'm just really glad. I'm not going to approach the position any differently. I don't think I should. I'm just going to try to stay true to what tradition has been. But I'm really just glad to show that a woman can partake in that tradition just as much as a man or anyone else. And I'm just really excited to see how this season plays out. That first game, I think there's just going to be a ton of energy. I think a lot of people are really hoping that the team will be better this year. You know, they've been making a lot of changes, hopefully a lot for the better. And I just think it's just going to be a lot of energy and buzz of that first game that I hope continues throughout the rest of the season. Uh, you and you and me both, and I guarantee you everyone who's listening to this podcast all agrees. Let's, let's hope things go better this year than last year. But uh, thank you so much, India, for coming on here. Congratulations on, on, on this election, this this honor that uh, you're able to, to carry out with the Trojan Marching Band and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's get into the mailbag and start with a text message from a rotbot in NorCal. Number one, how can the NCAA still be telling SC to dissociate itself with Reggie Bush? Why would we even listen, especially given what's recently come out about paying players? Um, I, I, I think the answer here is like, yeah, it, it's ridiculous that the NCAA is telling SC to do all that stuff, but it, it's still a mandate. Like, you, you can not like that the speed limit is 55, but I think you still got to go 55. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I... If you go 65 in a 55, don't be mad if you get a ticket. And if you bring Reggie Bush back just because you don't like that he's been disassociated and you tell the NCAA to stick it, don't be mad if they sanction you again for breaking off well, that sanction. I would, I would disagree with that analogy, though. I think you can be mad that the jerk-off cop pulls you over for doing 65 and a 55 when it's not endangering anybody. Um, okay, but 75 you still pay the ticket. and a 55. You know what I mean, though. No, 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 no. No, you're doing 65 and a 55. They pull you over, give you the ticket. You can be pissed off and call the call the cop all sorts of names, but you still pay the ticket. Like, you right. don't then you don't then sit back and go like, I'm pissed off that this, this cop was a jerk and gave me this ticket. So I'm just not going to pay the ticket. No, you make it worse for yourself. You pay the ticket. You move on like. That's what like the NCAA is be is is the jerk off cop here who is insisting that uh, that Reggie Bush's disassociation needs to continue. 
But USC is also in a position where they can scream and shout about how stupid the NCAA is, which they are, but they still have to send in the money to pay the ticket so that they don't get called into court and like, you know. Yeah, the the way to fight this back is to fight back and appeal to it over and over and over again. It's not to just bring back Reggie willy-nilly. Yeah. Like, like you can't just say, we're just not going to, we're not going to pay those intolerable acts. You know what you do? You know what, or at least what I think you do? And and this is where I wonder if USC doesn't have the, like, the, the, the gall to do it. You annoy the NCAA into it. Like, you bring it up every opportunity. You just talk about it incessantly. You send them notes constantly. Hey, we wanted to get an update on Reggie Bush. Hey, we wanted to get an update. Can we get a date for when we can bring him back? Like, you know, have different people call them. Like, have different people use their contacts. Have Chris Weber call? Yeah, I mean, whatever it is. Just, like, pester them into just saying, fine. Just shut up about it. But I don't like I don't think USC is in a mode of like pestering in order to get this taken care of. Yeah, where SC can improve is that they can yeah, they can be that pesterer, but I still think that you gotta you gotta honor the disassociation as long yeah. as it's there. Like Yeah, you don't bring Reggie back until the NCAA says you can bring him back. Next question from that same robot in NorCal. Should SC issue the number five or retire it? Shouldn't they do one or the other? I think it is re- I think they have done one or the other though. I think it is retired. Like it's just unofficially retired. Yeah. There's and a reason they haven't given it to anybody. It it should be retired, but he won mm-hmm. the Heisman Trophy. He got the Heisman Trophy taken away, but he did win it. Just keep it retired. Yeah, I would honor the Heisman uh, retirement, even if it's an unofficial. You know what I you do? Act as though it's retired. You go back to the first question, and when you pestered them enough for them for the NCAA to relent, you put the the jersey back up and you retire yeah. it. Okay, yeah the 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 Heisman isn't in Heritage Hall anymore, and they're not going to get that back. Fine, whatever. He still won the damn thing. He still got it retired in the first place, which is what matters. If you want to get really snarky, you could retire it, put the jersey back up, and say that it's for not Reggie Bush. Like, you could retire it in the name of... Rodney Sermons? Yeah, or pick some, like, old-timer, like, like way back when so that they can they can't contest We're you about it. it for jim saltis yeah <laughs> yeah like something random like that yeah i feel like jim saltis wore number six i, I don't know what uh, number I he wore no but clue. probably before numbers a long time ago this is this is where i bemoan the la- the loss of uh tribute to troy's number database yeah it was a good website um yeah, pour really. one out uh let's get to a tweet from mike morales who says how concerning is it to the staff that the best players in their own backyard seem to be favoring out-of-state schools such as LSU and Oregon? What steps are being taken to end that? You know what the steps are? Win games. Getting better. Hiring Yeah. Uh, Graham Harrell and improving their team. Because if USC improves as a team, they will get those guys once again. Yeah, and one of the big problems that USC has right now is that there is a lot of, of ammunition for negative recruiting. And so that's that's you got to think that that's part of the part of the equation where LSU and Oregon are concerned that they're able to undermine USC's position with a lot of these uh, local guys. And USC doesn't really have a lot of comebacks for that. The only way to get a comeback is to start winning games and prove that Clay Hilton's job is not on the line. Yeah, it's just a matter of doing it. And and I hate that that, I, that that's the answer for everything, but that is the answer for everything. Like, so basically, just keep up keep up relationships and then go win games to prove to those kids that 
they're worth that you're worth the risk or that you're worth the investment for the most part yeah for sure uh let's go to a tweet from jack hellier with the usc and urban talk happening as of recently uh if clay helton were fired this past season what would have been the chances usc got urban meyer i think it's low i think if we're talking about urban meyer going to usc there's always going to have to be a sabbatical year for two things i don't think he could have left ohio state and quickly gone anywhere else and number two i'm not going to fall into alicia's trap of rationalizing this logic having said that i think it's easier to talk yourself into urban meyer a year from now than it is after this season after this past season could not agree more with both of your points uh that is 1000 percent true usc could i I would put it at a zero percent chance that usc would have gotten urban meyer in december of last year zero percent because he hadn't sat out long enough the fires were still raging over the Ohio State stuff. USC was still way more in the middle of the Max Nikias and president not being hired and all this yeah. kind of stuff. All um, a year later, with things cooling off on both ends, I think it becomes much, much, much more possible. But still, still wrong. Uh, let's get well, a tweet yeah. from, from Alex. Uh, if your hand shot condiments out of your fingertips, thumb included, and these were the only condiments you could use without making them from scratch, which condiments would you choose? Also, did you know butter is a condiment? All right, Alicia, first of all, this is the question that steers us into the off-topic stuff. So if you're not into off-topic stuff, we'll see you next week. But I love this question so much. I've thought about it a lot all day. I have too. I have too since it came. But I, one thing throws me. I think I have my ideal condiment hand. It'd be your left or your right? Oh, would I do left or right? It's got to be left, right? I'd go right because I'm left-handed, so I could I could shoot it with the right, and yeah, then that was I my could thought. Use the Sh- fork with the with the left. Shoot it with the shoot it with the left, and then because I'm right-handed, so but so I think I have my ideal five, except that he throws in that side thing of butter is a condiment, which means that if I don't have butter on the hand, then I don't get to use butter. Unless I make it from scratch, right? Because that changes my whole equation. Because if if butter is if if butter butter is either pouring out of my fingers or yeah. not available to me, you can no longer yeah buy butter. So is that is that the rule of the game that we're playing? Are you down with churning butter? Do you have, have you ever churned I'm, butter? I'm not down with I've not churned butter. I've churned. Maybe butter. I did when I was like a kid and did some sort of I have churned butter it's not fun no no it's not it's not good okay so here's my here's my hand and this is tough but well okay the easy ones first mayo 1000% on there ketchup on there ranch on there then you get into I have to have butter so butter is my fourth, which means I only have one slot left. What's the consistency of that butter? Are are we talking melted butter? Are we talking, is this like uh, well, oozing I'm out thinking, like toothpaste butter? What is it? I'm thinking like the consistency of mayo. Like if it, if it, if, if the butter can so be at least. It's soft spreadable butter. Soft spreadable butter. Yes. Soft but it's, spreadable it's butter. butter and it's not margarine. Yes. Butter. Huh. Specifically Kerrygold butter. If I can load that up specifically. Oh, first of all, I I got a take about Kerrygold butter, by the way. Oh, Michael, tread carefully here, because I only just recently discovered that I can purchase Kerrygold butter and have it be my butter. And so I I get groceries almost all the time through Prime now through Amazon. It's great. Uh-huh. 
at like 2 a.m. you're like, oh, yeah, I need groceries. And then you're laying there in bed and then you, you do it and you pick all your stuff and then you wake up at 8.30 and you open your front door and there's Oreos on your, your, your doorstep. It's great. Anyways, the options for things like butter and cheese are very limited and butter and cheese are very expensive through Amazon. Mm-hmm. But for butter, they have that Kerrygold butter. So I got that. Low-key trash. I, 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 I don't think I can be your friend anymore, Michael. It's, it's got a, I, I don't know if it's, so it says it's Irish butter, right? Like, yeah. Is it the Irish butter that I don't like? Or is it that kind of butter? I don't know. It's just butter on steroids. It's got a flavor to it that I'm not a fan of. It's, it's just butter that's like salty and creamy and sweet and... And I don't care for it's it. It's so good. Oh, it's like, it's, it's so good. It's, it's, it's dangerous because I just want to like, sh- sh- like smear it on there like, like no, cream cheese. No, give me cheese. some Land like, Lakes. No, 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 no. Kerrygold. Oh my, oh, Michael. Oh, I'm, I'm, you've thrown me, Michael. You've thrown it's, me. It's low-key trash. I'm no, sorry. Oh, low-key, oh. Okay, you can go with your low-key trash opinions. I'm having Kerrygold butter shooting out my finger. It can shoot out of this finger right here. Uh, no, actually, I'm going to move. Yeah, we got mayo coming out my thumb, ketchup coming out my index finger, Kerrygold butter coming out my middle finger, ranch coming out my ring finger, and then the pinky finger. So when the butter wasn't a f- wasn't in the equation, I had two slots, and my thought was, well, one... And you're going to hate this, Michael. One, I'll put some Dijon mustard. And Gag. one, Gag. I'll put some like nacho cheese sauce. Like if that, if we can, like, because I think nacho cheese sauce is, is like a, is a condiment. Or some sort of cheese, like queso sauce, like something like that. Um, But now that I'm only left with one finger, like now I'm really torn because I want, I, I, I've recently come around on like honey mustard, like honey mustard is. I can do, especially if I have mayo there to like cut it a little bit. These are why things like this are why I don't buy into your carry gold like, like, and and why I can feel comfortable in writing off your opinion that it's good because you like honey mustard. I've come around on honey mustard, but pure trash. But like I can do a little bit of honey mustard. Well, actually, honey mustard it depends. But I can do a little bit of mustard, more or less. Like, but it still has to be a little bit in moderation. Whereas like a queso sauce or like a nacho cheese, like that you could slather all over, like nachos or whatever. So, like I'm I'm torn between the when you get a really good honey mustard, like it's really good, versus the versatility of like I could just slather nacho cheese on like anything and it would be good. Um. I think I'm gonna side with Dijon though. And just in my little pinky finger, some Dijon. But I'm very torn on this and the and the butter situation has very much thrown me for a loop. Alright. Here's my here's my right hand because my left hand I use for my fork. So index finger, one hundred percent ketchup. Just imagine just pointing at something and ketchup squirts right? out. God, or just think, awesome. think about you. Think about this. You you grab a fry, or I wonder if this would go against you. But my thought was like you grab a fry and you take your finger and you just trace a line of ketchup on the top. God, that'd be incredible, right? Yeah, like full coverage. Maybe squeeze some mayo on there, just on the top, and just. So perfect. I'm gonna have a system that's built into this hand that's fantastic. So the index finger is ketchup. The ring finger 
is mayo. Uh, for, by the way, Heinz ketchup. Um, if you're Hunts, go to hell. Um, Heinz ketchup. <laughs> uh, ring finger is mayo. I'm gonna. Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to throw that take out there because I'll be ridiculed. I don't think I'm ready to give that what? up. What a, a mayo take. So I like best foods. Okay. Now I wonder if this is a temperature thing. I think the best mayo you can ever get is at a restaurant. If you ask for a side of mayo and they bring you mayo, it is incredible and i think it's because it's the temperature and that it's usually room temperature and i love Hmm. it it tastes so good and it does not taste like best foods to me but what is your thought on um like mayo packets because no not a fan not a fan because those are room temperature not a fan those wouldn't be cold not a fan not a fan so maybe it's not a temperature thing i don't know what it is but the only mayo that i've ever had that tastes like that that comes close is called just mayo it's like a non-mayo mayo it's hmm. like a like a, a gluten-free vegan bs garbage mayo and for some reason it tastes like the mayo that i like when i get fries and ask for a side of mayo that's, i don't know how it works that's very interesting but it tastes very good um anyways but <laughs> i'm probably gonna go with best foods right but we'll just imagine it's at the temperature that i want it to be at which is not super cold okay um that's the ring finger you know what that middle finger is? It's a freaking swirl, baby. It comes out with fry sauce. But Combo, see, that's why... ketchup, and mayo. But right, that's, right that's why up. I thought to do index finger ketchup and thumb mayo, because then I could just pinch them together and squirt them out together. Not a bad idea, too, but... I'm struggling to come up with five condiments well, I like. The, the so way The way you're doing it, that pre-mixed, where mine would probably be a little streaky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yours comes pre-mixed. I was wondering if you'd have trouble with the condiments because you're very much a purist. Very, very much a purist. But All okay, right. well, oh, well, you finish yours, but then I'll give you a suggestion of if in case you don't pick this. All right, thumb is butter, and okay. we're talking Land O'Lakes spreadable, perfect butter. It's okay. got the consistency of um, you have a roll and you put a pat of butter in there for like. A minute and a half and then you open it up and it's perfect Mm -hmm. that's the consistency that's coming out of this thumb and the reason i say thumb because you could literally just open a roll and just spread your thumb on it to put the butter on it'd be great i'm here i'm here for it yeah so your pinky which i think it's weird to shoot anything out of your pinky but alas you're running out of phalanges here your pinky is the Taco Bell nacho cheese sauce. That's what I was going to say. 100%. <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't have Taco Bell nacho cheese sauce on there, then I'm going to recommend it for you. <laughs> 100% Taco Bell nacho cheese sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. That would have been one of the nacho cheese sauces that I weighed. I could drink that, I think. I, I'd just be walking around all day just sucking on my, my pinky finger. <laughs> It'd get very dangerous. This It'd be like uh, this, I'm three years concept. old again. I mean, if I had if I had Kerrygold butter in my thumb, then I literally would just be sucking my thumb all day. How old were you when you stopped sucking your thumb? I don't remember ever sucking my thumb. I sucked my thumb until I was probably like three or four. Like I was old to be still sucking my thumb. And you know what screwed it up for me? I was at good old Smith's, aka Vons now, uh, aka Safeway. I put my thumb in the little um. You know what the the wheel is on a cart? Mm-hmm. I put it in there and it ripped my nail off. And you're making a, a cringy face, right? Yeah. So my mom had to take me to the to the pharmacist there in Smiths, and like she like bandaged me up a little bit. Anyways, I couldn't suck my thumb anymore, so that was it. Oh. 
That's awful. Yeah, that was last week, by the way. That was last week, yeah. I had a friend who sucked their thumb quite, quite, at quite an old age, I think. But I don't remember ever, like, I don't remember ever doing it, so. I think realistically I was like four or five. Probably like four. Yeah. Like, I was too old to do it, but I, I wasn't, like, too old to where it was embarrassing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Any, any more thoughts on this before we move on to Brandon's question? No, but I think it might be the best question we've ever had on this show. All right. Brandon Genos, does proper barbecue need sauce? I'm talking to you, Michael, Mr. Super Taster. And does Canadian bacon count as bacon? As I know, Michael doesn't eat bacon. I'm just going to ignore the Canadian bacon stuff. I don't care. I think Canadian bacon <laughs> is just ham, by the way, but I don't care either way. Much. Ham and bacon are both trash. You, you don't like ham. Yeah. Yeah. I, but on- we're getting to, to does proper barbecue need sauce? All right. I think the answer is does meat need barbecue sauce? Does barbecue meat need barbecue sauce? And the answer is no. Um, I am mostly anti-sauce. The only time I'm ever going to want sauce is if it's pulled pork that could be in a sauce. I like pulled pork that's not in sauce, that's just dry, that's just got a rub on it. I think that is the best kind of pulled pork. But pulled pork in a sauce can still be very good, and as can pulled chicken. That's the only time I ever want barbecue sauce. Don't put it on my ribs. Don't put it on my brisket. Sure as hell, don't put it on my brisket. And don't put it on anything else. Uh, uh, I, if barbecue is done well enough, like if 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 you got a brisket that's cooked perfectly, like the proper way, like, and it's like got that fattiness to it, and it's you know, like that. Yeah, probably doesn't necessarily need barbecue sauce. A little bit of barbecue sauce in moderation, though, I think can improve any barbecue so like it's it's the 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 french fry and the chicken tender debate and the nugget right. debate we've had before right where i think good the, french the fries don't need anything it. right they don't need it but you can change it up you can elevate but if you it. have texas brisket and you put sauce on it i am gonna question your judgment in life that's fair like yeah i mean because uh, i was just thinking like solid brisket from like the barbecue places that I went to in in Texas they didn't need it because they were so juicy to begin with right like I I was watching this YouTube video I I ended up watching this YouTube channel I watch a lot of YouTube and it, it was it's this guy and this girl who are British and they talk about America and usually it's like oh we're talking about 10 words that are you know, bad words in the UK, but they're not here or vice versa. It started out like things like that. And then it turned in like they got so popular that they, they ended up now we're going to America and British people try Texas barbecue for the first time, like this kind of stuff. And this is the, what their entire channel is. I watched the Texas barbecue one. I'm afraid. Whoever gave them tips on where to go, like needs to be i i don't know i some sort of cruel and unusual punishment (laughs) like Like, they got the wrong kind of barbecue first of all they go into the thing and the guy's like well i i don't really eat beef and strike one by the way strike uh, one strike fifty seventy thousand. yeah and the next thing, he's like, oh, I'm going to order this. And so he orders it. And this place that they were at, the guy gives it, cuts the thing, and he's like, do you want it dipped? 
And the, he's like, oh, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And he dips the whole thing in sauce. And I'm like, what the hell Texas barbecue is this? Yeah, like, no, that's bad. Where the that, hell that are you going? That means their meat doesn't hold up on its own. Yeah, like, it was just, oh, man, I was, I was, I was so mad. I was mad online. So, no. I'm sorry, Brandon, but keep your sauce to yourself. But, so, okay, when we're talking barbecue sauce, though, are we talking, like, barbecue sauce added after the fact? Or are we talking, like, because, for instance, ribs. I want my ribs cooked with a slathering of barbecue sauce. I don't. I want them rubbed. I prefer... I prefer a, a sauce that then gets like, you know, like caramelized and, See, and crap. I Does that do count want, as barbecue I, sauce? I do like, not want sauce dipped. I do not want to dip sauce yeah, in anything. No, no I if we're no. saying if we're saying does so, par, does proper barbecue need dipping sauce? First then of all, that is one thousand percent yes. The actual answer no, here doesn't. is this depends on what kind of barbecue you're talking about, right? Are you talking about St. Louis versus Kansas right. City versus Carolina versus Alabama well, versus Texas, right? When I say barbecue, when, when when let's be real, Michael, when you and I talk barbecue, we're talking Texas. We're talking Texas. Yeah, yeah. real barbecue for sure. Yeah, that's that's we're I'm barbecue very lives. very much a Texas barbecue person. Yeah. I, I feel bad because Brandon like owns a, a barbecue place, so he's yeah, probably get, really upset at us for giving us the answer. He's in San Diego, in San Diego, right? I, I don't know, but I, I'm worried. I, I think. Now. Well, I mean, we have an invite to go to go to Brandon's uh, restaurant, and I definitely want to do it because do Brandon posts like pictures of the stuff that he's <laughs> at his restaurant, and I like, I like faint at the sight of of the beauty is there of sauce them. on it well i think the burger that he was that he has in his like profile or he had in his profile picture had sauce in it so the other thing is and why i think i'm anti-sauce for the most part is i usually don't like barbecue sauce as it is there's only one place in the world that i actively love their sauce and like would want their sauce and potentially to the point where i might want to put it on my finger of one of my sauces right mm-hmm Chicago for ribs. Hmm. One of my favorite places, favorite restaurants, Redondo Beach. There's one in Pedro. Like, so damn good. Their sauce is like crack. I don't know what they I put love, in it. I love Sweet Baby Ray's. Sweet Baby Ray's is, is fine. I think that that, if you're making pulled pork and you lather it in Sweet Baby Ray's, that's fine. I, I, I'm, it's, I'm it's fine It's just a that. really solid, you know. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. Me too. So let's end this thing with getting to some Game of Thrones questions. If you don't like Game of Thrones or you haven't seen this week's episode, time to mosey on out. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for, as always, as listening. We love you. And we'll be back next week with a super fun show that will be very exciting. All right. People who don't want spoilers are gone. Okay, cool. Uh, let's get into Game of Thrones. Uh, tweet from Sean Reed of Austin, Texas. The biggest enemy in this episode was video compression. Alicia, I don't think we talked about this on Rod on God. I'm sorry, Sean, but I'm very over the people complaining about the the quality of the video and or the episode being dark. I'm over it. I'm, and I don't want to come off as like some elitist snob because I don't even have a nice TV. So I, I can't even fully have that argument. Somehow it looked fine on my TV. I always watch with the lights off anyways. I don't know if that helped, but I thought it was looked great. I thought it looked fantastic, and I was streaming it, so it's not like I was, you know, I had 4K or anything. 
Yeah, I was watching it on my iPad and um, I thought it was disorienting at times, but I didn't necessarily have the kind of problem that everyone else did. It, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the episode. I was a little bit annoyed. I don't know, Michael, if you've listened to The Bald Move yet. They spend yet. I'm a- saving it for my drive to LA. Well, prepare yourself because there's a lot of complaining about this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it wasn't a factor for me. The one thing I will, I will say, like, I wish that I could have seen the dragon fighting better or with less confusion, uh, as far as being able to tell the difference between each of the dragons. But it, yeah, it, it doesn't really move the needle for me either. The only time I had, I had a lot of struggles about, oh, did they just die? Did they just die? Yeah, that happened oh, did, a lot. Did that per- but I don't, to me, I don't think that was the video compression. I don't think that was the, the screen being too dark or anything like that. I think that was just the, how it was fast paced and all that stuff. But I think that was realistic because if you're in a battle, that's what it's going to be like. You don't know. Like, did that person just die? I don't know. I don't know. I just got to keep moving. Just got to keep moving. Yeah. That's how life is in a battle. So. At least how I assume. I've never been in a battle. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Sean's next question. Why did they keep flying in the storm instead of landing on the walls and cooking the dead with the dragons? Real talk, though. Real talk. I, I, I wondered to myself, like, I thought the storm was a good way to neutralize the dragons, but also I thought to myself, like, why not just land then? Uh, because it's a st- your stationary target for the White Walker spears at that point. That's a good point. Yeah. You're just asking to get speared by the Night King. I did think it was super cool when they flew up and above the clouds. Yeah, that looked really neat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked that a lot. Uh, let's get it to a question from Weekend Night Lights. Who had green eyes? The Waif? If Jamie's going to kill Cersei, the other green-eyed character is Sansa. Hmm. Hashtag reaching. Hmm. I think that it's entirely possible any one of the phrase that Arya killed could have had green eyes. So I searched this earlier. I searched Walter Frey to see, and I realized I have no idea what green eyes look like. <laughs> I can't Cersei tell green, green and eyes. blue eyes apart. It's not because yeah. I'm colorblind. It's because so many times they look almost identical to me. They're like They're so close. So blue I guess if they're close, then blue. they're probably green. And if they're blue eyes, I'd know they were blue eyes. But yeah. if they're not, then they're just probably green. Yeah. If it, basically, green what's is... green and what's hazel? I don't know. Gr- green is anything that's not brown or blue. Or very obviously hazel. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's not a good answer. All right. <laughs> but I don't know. It could have been anyone that she's killed to this point. Maybe the it was Littlefinger. Yeah, I don't know what color eyes he had. I want to say it brown eyes, but I, he, I keep going back to what we talked about in Ron on God that like I would not read too much into the eye thing. I think that right. was them going back to season three, and at season three, it could have meant something completely different than what it meant now. And so I think it just meant that, as Jake mentioned in Ron on God, that she was going to kill a variety of people. That's what it was probably meaning, and so I don't think it meant uh, literally about every type of person that she was going to kill. In this episode, when Melisandre says the blue eyes, she's absolutely meaning the Night King. But I don't mean that the green. I don't think that means that the green eyes are exactly Cersei or exactly Sansa or exactly anybody else. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, maybe the mountain. Maybe the mountain. Does the mountain have green eyes? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. He's like know. dead eyes. He has those weird looking eyes. Yeah. I don't know. But 
All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Big thank you to Andy Anderson, the first female drum major in Trojan Marching Band history, for joining us. Uh, it was a great in- interview with Alicia. And that's going to wrap up this episode. We'll be back next week with another episode talking about the latest in USC football. Until then, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy, like us on Facebook facebook.com slash of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our email address for questions, for ad inquiries, or for anything is Troy at fansided.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1872. Alicia, give us a final word. The final word is green. As in, we obviously don't know what green means. Apparently not. Hey, there's a lot of shades of green. There There's are. like more green than any other color in the world. Is, is that true? I believe so. I, I don't. I don't know if that's factually correct. It sounds right, doesn't it? It does. It does. I think I, it is I actually can't, true. I can't disprove I'm gonna, it. I'm going to Google this while we're talking <laughs> so. about this right now. One of the few <laughs> moments where I'll just leave this live. What are the what 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 is the color with the most variety of shades? I don't. How would one even answer that question? Green is a combination of blue and yellow, so maybe it's not considered. Like maybe it's or what is it? yellow and all right here it goes this is, someone a- answered on cora and says actually it's green and it's evolutionary humans are omnivores so that not only differentiating between shades of green plants helps us find plants to eat and avoid poisonous ones but can help us find prey animals that are seeking specific types of plants shout out to james davis former ma of public policy from the new england college who answered that yeah there you go cool yeah it's on the internet so it must be true 100 percent. all right we'll see you next time see ya see ya see ya Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.